This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondry people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your In Good Company, a podcast that makes investing accessible for everyone. I'm Maddie Guest and as always, I'm in very good company with my co-host Sophie Dicker. How are you, Mads? I'm good. Today, we probably have one of the most exciting guests that we've had on the podcast. We're both big fans. We are introducing... Flex Mummy, <laughs> probably the best conversationalist we've had, I would say, yes. by far. And we're going to make it into a two-part series as well because they, we just went through so much incredible content. The conversation was blowing. Maddie nearly died at one point from a coughing <laughs> attack. <laughs> Hopefully producer Sash cuts that one out. So let's jump into part one. Let's get into it. Today we are over the moon to welcome Lil Hankin, aka Flex Mummy, for a good old chat about money and investing. Flex has well and truly built a reputation for being a new generation businesswoman as a media personality, best-selling author, founder of Flex Factory, DJ and radio host of Flex and Frooms on Cater. She is loved and admired by many for her refreshing way of thinking, well-formed opinions and business savvy. Here to talk all that and more, welcome Flex to your own good company. But I'll take my bio. <laughs> That's so cute. I actually went on your website and I saw your bio and it's just like this massive like list yeah. and you're like, I'm just going to put everything I even on cut there. the fat a little bit. I was like, I let's it. trim it down. <laughs> Did you? I saw on your social media that you were doing a LinkedIn. Did you ever get yeah. that done? Because I looked looked you up and I couldn't see it. I'm on LinkedIn. Okay, I yeah, just have not published anything <laughs> because I'm like, oh, this is the opposite of what I want to do. I want to spend less time on the internet. On the internet. And this requires, it's a whole ecosystem that has its own rules and norms and I don't feel like you can just like dip in and dip out. Yeah, I think right. you'd be rewarded for engaging with other people, yeah. not just going on to humble brag and leaving. Yeah. So I'm ghost lurking. Okay, nice. For now. I actually <laughs> saw a funny meme that was like, LinkedIn is like Tinder for, I don't know who it was, but it's like hot girls messaging nerdy guys being like, hey, what's up? Because oh. <laughs> you want a Literally. job. I love that. We should unpack that another time. I was having flashbacks when I was writing a bio to when I was doing it for Frooms and I was like <laughs> having to doing the same thing, like trying to cut it back to keep it to the point. <laughs> so we start the episode the same way every time with each guest saying, what is the best thing that's happened to you in the last week? The best thing that's happened to me in the last week. Well, what day is it? <laughs> Friday. Wow. Okay. One of two things, my, um, teammates, coworkers, staff, employees, I don't know what you call them. My people booked me a surprise massage, which is so sick because I decided that we should host our company work retreat at Hayman Island. I wanted us to go to Turkey, but <laughs> half the team didn't have passports. I, so I was like, Hayman babe, what is going on? See, but I'm really disappointed because it was so expensive. We're on a mm. money podcast. We can talk money Yeah. for four four of us and a baby to go 
$28,000. They know you're on an island. So they know that once you're there, yeah. they can just ridiculous. get you. ridiculous. I probably, I could honestly say hand on heart, I have mostly bad things to say about that experience. Oh, no. And I'm quite indifferent about a lot of things. I'm like, yeah, things are fun. Things are not great. But that was bad. Wait, how much was it going to cost to go to Turkey? Probably cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a lot cheaper, actually. But it would have been worthwhile. It's like paying that much money to just be isolated and then paying a premium for that isolation. Wait, so we asked about the best thing in the last seven days. Well, hold on. Hold on. We're getting there. (laughs) Got it. But the point is that part of going to Haven, I was like, oh, this is like made for honeymooners. So it's going to be like really relaxing and really sensual. I'm going to book so many massages. But then we get there and I'm like, I'm ready to book a massage. And they're like, oh, you can't book one until next month, which was 30 days away. And I was like, there is no one on this island. What do you mean? And I think we couldn't book any activities. And I think they were just promoting the amenities they, they knew they did not have. Right. To entice people to stay. So when my team booked me a massage at Sense of Self, I was like, yes, this is what I needed. <laughs> okay. Um, and I, I think I'm out of my book route, which is really great because I'm like a two to three book a week reader. Wow. But I just kept reading so many great books in a row. And then I was like, I, the pressure was too much. I couldn't take the pressure. I actually get that. <laughs> so I was like, I can't do it again. It was not a good one. And then I just I was like, I can't read. I can't read. But I think I'm getting back on the horse. Okay, nice. Do you have any book recommendations while we're at it? It depends. Okay. I take them very seriously, so, you know, I can't just throw them out there. (laughs) Have a think about it. We'll come back later. (laughs) Like, if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be and why? My friends, (laughs) literally. (laughs) I can't think of anything, like, worse than going to dinner with someone I admire but don't know really well. Mm. So many elements. Like, already I don't love to see people eat, not from, like, a sustenance (laughs) point of view but just from a a table manners point of view, like a sensory point of view, like the talking, chewing thing. I'm like, "Mm." and I think I could make accommodations people I love, you know, but strangers I'm like, oh, what if you're a gross eater? So just my friends. Great. I love your thought process. Like people just say, you know, say someone that they want to ask like interesting questions to, but you're like, no, but if I'm watching them chew, yeah. I don't want to know the answer to like all of the world issues, you know? Yeah. I'm like, shh, quiet, swallow first. <laughs> okay, well then away from people and maybe more towards companies. If you could be a company, who would you be and why? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> That is so hectic. I mean, you pretty much already encompassed, you're already encompassed in one, your own. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I would do my own. It's just, whoa, that is so difficult because you're not only absorbing like their revenue but then all their liabilities. We haven't seen their books. <laughs> what are their books saying? You know what I'm saying? No one has done, like we ask this question on every episode and no one has worried about the assets and liabilities. Literally. <laughs> I'm like, what's the cash flow looking yeah. like? It's going to be a good episode. <laughs> Hmm. Like Maddie's answer once was bigger cheese because she loves. Oh, yeah. oh that's incredible. But their this. their books, I don't think, are doing very well. Oh. Literally. See, my whole thing is I don't want to take something I love because I want to be able to be like, oh, I'm jumping when the ship is sinking. I'm not the captain who's staying. I'm just gonna take Apple. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just take Apple. We can do something with it. <laughs> Have dinner with Tim Cook, but yeah, like don't really. maybe drinks. We'll stick to drinks. Yeah. <laughs> no food. <laughs> Just gonna give myself a dividend and leave. <laughs> Love it. 
So we do have you on today to talk about money and I feel like we're already getting a little bit of insight, but I would love to take a step back a little bit and find out a little bit more about how would you describe your relationship with money? And I guess, did you have any formative memories that you think sort of got you to where you are today? Um, What is my relationship to money? I'm very abundant with it. Like I'm good at making it. I'm good at spending it. I feel like there's always more it came from. Like I don't have a really stingy attitude towards it. Even when like I grew up in like a single parent, working class family and so there was no money. But um, I worked in a – I worked. I grew up in a really generous environment constantly, not just in my own family unit but culturally and socially and in our community. So I always felt like there was more to go around when there wasn't much. And so when more came, I was like, this is great. But I would say my earliest – memory of money had to be um so my parents are divorced and when I was between like the ages of I don't know I want to say eight and eleven I had to go to my dad's house every Sunday you know to like do the divorce kid thing like hey mm-hmm. he's like hi he's like hi <laughs> but every every Sunday I'd go there he'd give me fifty dollars just for existing mm. like favorite child thing And I didn't know how big $50 was because, you know, what was I buying at that point? Like little candy hearts from the corner store, 25 cents. And I used to just give it to my brothers. I was like, I don't need this much money. I just need to buy a few lollies. But I do remember that. Uh, But then the one after that would be because of being the youngest sibling and of two older brothers and like a negligent, but like giving dad or whatever, um, I, I felt like, I had a thing with phones. Like I always wanted a, the newest phone. Mm. And so I would get a phone and then lose a phone because I was like, what was I doing? Just being a scatterbrained kid. Um, and then at one point my mom was like, I can't get you another phone. Like if you want another phone, this is how much it costs. And I was like, I don't have that money. Why did I give away all yeah. my $50 And she notes? was literally, <laughs> I was doing the math and she was like, you have to get a job. And I was like, but how many, how, how many days at the job do I need to work to get the phone? And she's like, a long time. <laughs> and then, you know, here we are. <laughs> I find it interesting because I feel like you were saying that you kind of had this like generous mentality because that's what you kind of grew up with. Then you get to the stage where you have to make money for yourself because you actually have like adult things that you take care of and you're like, oh, that's what the value of a dollar is. I was the recipient and the beneficiary of someone else's generosity, didn't even know. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's a lot. I was talking to my housemate about this the other night. We were saying like how much our parents have done for us. And when you're a kid, sometimes you can be such a brat and then you grow up and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. What they did for me. So like how, how did, did you have laptop money? Yeah. How did you have, yeah. you know, new console money? I know, like buying kids clothes <clears> that they grow out of and like it was just all a – it was a big realisation. Yeah. We had a big chat about it. <laughs> when we uh, do live events, we do this money quiz and it helps people to identify their money type and mm. it's sort of all about like understanding yourself a bit more and your attitudes towards money. And one of the money types is a hedonist. So I want to talk to you about this because I've heard you talk about this on other podcasts about how that's sort of what you identify yeah. as. I think traditionally like a hedonist, hedonist, hedonist? It's tricky. I feel like it's hedonist but okay. we would say hedonist because cool. we watch too much American TV. Great. Whichever one. I feel like sometimes it's kind of at odds with what we would or what society would tell us is financially responsible because it's sort of to do with like pleasure and putting like buying what you want. How do you sort of balance that in your mind? By making more money. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. You know, like it, it's what it's like pay to play. So this is what it costs to live in the way that I want to. I just got to mm. make some more money realistically. But then do you have like the lifestyle creep? 
kind of coming in, which is like, you know, you make more, so you spend more on kind of those of luxury items and stuff. Yeah, of course. But in, in different ways, like I feel as though where my money goes, I'm not like a full-time designer babe. Like I know yeah. a lot of my friends and peers, it's like every day, like they've got a new Prada bag and you this. I don't have any designer bags or things like that. I don't have any like designer jewelry. I don't really have any designer mm. clothes except my Balenciaga Crocs. <laughs> so what do you? That was a month. So my money goes to travel. Yeah. It goes to clothes. That's a big one. Uh, food and things that I deem like rare enough to buy. Like mm. there was this bed I really wanted for my house in Hobart, and when I it's like this beautiful um, bed that looks like a cloud, like. If you can like undulating boucle Amazing. blobs. It was incredible. And when I saw it, it was $5,000. I was like, this is ridiculous. And so I click out of my um, browser and a couple of weeks later I go back in at $7,000. I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's gone up. It's gone up. It's an investment. Close my browser, <laughs> go back, it's 10K. Now I'm oh, freaking out. Myself, I, I emailed them. I'm like, hey, um, I saw this a couple of weeks ago and it was 5K. Like what happened? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, we, the way we priced it, we couldn't make any money from it. And I was like, okay, well, I want to buy it. So I had to buy it. For like 10K. So you could have made money. I think it was a scam though because I never got the bed and I got a refund. But things like that where I'm like, this is too rare to pass up. Mm. I must. It seems like you're quite comfortable with money then. Do you have any fears about money? I guess my only fear is any – the only time I can recall having – money-related fears is just in the work sense. Like as soon as I got employees, I was like, ugh, there's no bludging. There really isn't. Like I have to keep working because now your livelihoods depend on me. Yeah. And like that's not chill. Do you find that motivating or is that like pressure? It's not motivating at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's really not. Like it's yeah. just – it feels like um, it's very antithetical to how I want to live, which is like leisure, ease, pleasure – chaos, uh, creativity, abundance, and so much about maintaining and scaling a business is seeing a lot of that money go and just hoping that it comes back in some capacity. And I think the tricky thing with my, the way that I run my business in particular is I feel like, you know, you have a lot of businesses that are literally exploiting the labor of the people who work for them and it's their Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Efforts that are making and generating the money, but I just put everything I make into my business. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm literally... <laughs> no dividends There's coming from you. Literally. <laughs> so, so that becomes really tricky because I'm like, oh, you know, that's a lot of money that I could just have mm. and feel chill, but, you know... 
Well, it's future investment, right? Literally. Like you're investing your money to make it bigger and better in the future. But it is interesting. We had that conversation a couple of weeks ago about being in the rat race, like mm. working for someone and always just putting in your efforts to like for someone else's gain. So at least I guess in your case it's still an investment. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, hedonist money spender. I like it that way. But I, I also feel like it, um, the attitudes towards money were there before the money came, which I'm sure a lot of people, mm, like yeah. your attitudes towards money are sort of built before you even have any money. Yeah. Uh, and so with this in mind, I feel like my – like I could change the way that I spend and see money, but I don't want to. Yeah. I'm kind of like, well, I just got here. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Like I haven't done anything naughty yet. I mean, I have, whatever. <laughs> I think it would be quite hard as well because as you've just said, like your money memories are so, they come in your formative years, like when you're really, really young. That's why we ask the question, like what's your first memory? So I feel like to actually really change your money, like mindset, your habits, I think you can 100% do, but the money mindset no. is very difficult. Something that... I think Soph and I talked about a lot when we started the podcast was this idea that women in particular are taught that the road to financial empowerment is learning to budget and come <laughs> back. Yeah. Whereas like the idea more is that men learn to invest and invest in their future self. And I think what you're sort of talking about with that attitude, it's like really refreshing because so many of us think that in order to be financially stable or financially successful, we have to restrict I feel like, yeah, you can you can restrict yourself into wealth if you already have wealth, mm. you know, like that makes sense. Yeah. But if you're starting out with very little, hoping to spend little to gain a lot, the mm. math does not math. Yeah, you got to take a bit of risk. Yeah. The math does not math. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes you just really have to simplify and be like, how, how do the math? How is this making sense? Like, yeah. you know, when you hear the classic, like I don't, not on the beans, I don't drink coffee, but let's say a coffee is $5. I have one a day my for the whole year it's like is that really what's gonna buy me the thing I want or exactly. is that you know that's not the difference between you being financially successful literally not in the way that you want to and yeah. what it's gonna matter yeah so talking about investing in yourself <clears throat> then do you plan for those investments like do you plan like do you have money goals that you think about every year that you reassess or is it just a bit of a like hit and miss let's go with the like punches see what works professionally yes personally no okay walk us through it's, that it's tricky because like when you commodify yourself and you become your business, it's very hard for you to differentiate. It's like mm. when I had to start paying two taxes, I was like, I already did this. And they were like, no, 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 <laughs> the business did this. I'm like, I am the business. And they're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. You're like, I have to pay tax twice? <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, that's really confusing. Why didn't anyone mention that? Um, but because because I'm commodifying myself and because the return on my investment in myself is exponential. As long as I am feeding into my business personally, the money always comes in. Mm. doesn't work the other way around realistically because I want to implore discipline and structure into my professional life so my personal life can be chaotic and creative and messy and fun. And I think I'm able to do both because I am commodifying myself. I don't think it would, it would work if I was like running a construction business. I mean, like I'm not going to figure out what my personal budget looks like. Can you talk us through how you, what are the steps? What does it look like? Oh, like in terms of money discipline? Yeah. Oh, getting a CFO. <laughs> <laughs> Outsource. Yeah, literally. Delegate all the important um, stuff. Yeah, because I guess like 
you know, what I found really difficult is what I mentioned earlier, creating that separation between the business and self. And I was like, mm. I just don't understand, you know, when I would have accountants prior who'd be like, you need to, you know, you need to spend more. Like your expenses are really low. I'm like, well, I don't even know what I can claim. Okay. Because like, you know, one might say, well, everything, you're was, a lifestyle influencer, in but that's not realistic. Am I yeah. going to go to the ATO and be like, Hey, so this lip gloss was necessary because sometimes on camera, like my <laughs> lips go, no, it's not going to happen that way. But also I think there are, there, there, there are like leniences to be made, but because I wasn't viewing myself as a business, I couldn't make business decisions that weren't personally led every single time. And so I was erring too far on the side of caution where I was like, well, I don't want to claim anything because mm. just in case I get audited, I can't prove that the shirt was necessary for that commercial because maybe I had another shirt or maybe I could have gotten styled. And especially when I feel like the industry that I'm a part of, it feels like a whole different dialect to what to what auditors would know of, you yeah. know, like even trying to explain to my one of the first accountants I had that I was a DJ and a writer. He was like, but how are you both? And I'm like, I don't understand what you don't understand. Pick one. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, I've got to put one title in. I'm like, I, look, that would be a lie. <laughs> and so what I found was that I could only go so far with my lack of understanding. And it was really tricky because I didn't realize at the time that accountants were just there to to uh, be retrospective, to tell you what you already had done and could do nothing for you. They were just, you know, putting, assessing the data and mirroring it back at you. And so what I needed was someone who could be uh, forecast for me and who could say, you know, this is where you want to be. These are the goals. So let's, you know, use our logic and work backwards, but use our logic and get tax breaks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know. <laughs> so the first full-time employee I got for Flex Mommy, not Flex Factory, was kind of like a, a business assistant, someone to kind of like help with all the kind of stuff that needs to get done, whether it's emails or social scheduling, whatever. But then the next big one was a CFO because there is heaps of money coming in. And I'm like, what am I meant to do with it? Mm. And it was getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I've reduced my tax rate, but I'm not spending any money on behalf of the business. So I'm just paying it all back anyway. And so having the CFO to be like, this is where you want to go. This is the money you have to spend it. These are, these are the guidelines you can work within made it easier for me to understand and almost work collaboratively and not from a, you know, teacher to student thing. So from that kind of relationship then when you had someone kind of guiding you along, like was that kind of a first step to thinking about how you like in brackets invest in your business? Like you were talking about like you, were, you didn't want to spend money on expenses, you didn't really know what to spend on and having someone guide you, it's like, well, that's an investment and that will help grow if you've like got this forecast. Yeah. I think the thing that I was really struggling with was like the money was always just sitting in the account. Like it is very like disconcerting to, you know, be spending all your time working in retail and being like, oh, you know, that's $800 in and that's $800 out. And then suddenly you've got five, six figures in your business account. You're kind of like, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, what is it meant to do? It yeah. wasn't even exciting seeing it go up because I'm like, I don't understand. Like, because June, July is going to come and then half of it's going to have to go. So like, what is the plan here? So having the CFO was not necessarily, it didn't make me uh, more confident in investing, but it, it kind of told me in numbers that the business is successful and it, it almost gave me permission to not do for a second and yeah. just to be like, this is what you already have and what you have is allowing you the privilege to try things and to support yourself. So what do you need to support yourself? And I was like, I don't understand the question. Next question, please. <laughs> she was like, would it be helpful if you had, because I, I think 
like I said before, the tricky thing about being a creative freelancer is that you do everything on your own and it's hard to it's hard to add a value to what you're offering because it's a one one size fits all. So let's say a makeup brand is coming to me and they're like, we want you to take some images for a campaign photo shoot. Well, they want me to be the model and the hairstylist and the makeup artist and to light it and to photograph it and maybe to retouch the photos and to crop it and to style myself and to oh. decide, you know, how to <laughs> license the images, what they're worth, what the usage is going to be. And it's a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. So it was so hard for me to figure out, okay, if one of those, if one part of this a project was going to be outsourced or if I was going to get support, which part would it be? Because I'm like, I don't know the value of each part. Mm. It was the sum of the whole, not the individual components. And so it kind of gave me permission to slow down to be like, whoa, this is a very cooked scenario I found myself in where I've set myself up. So it's almost impossible to scale in the way that's actually conducive to me running a healthy and sustainable business. Cause I was like, okay, great. I'll find a photographer. And it's like, okay, well, what is that return on investment? Because I, what am I even paying myself to be my own model and hairstylist mm. and whatever, whatever, whatever? I don't know. So it was the permission that I found to be really helpful, and then also the literacy of understanding like what is the value of any of it? Yes, of myself, my time, my effort, my likeness. What is the value of any of it? And like, what permission do I have to pivot? That's actually a really good question, which I've always wondered, like, how do people, this is going to sound odd when I say this out loud, but how do people value themselves? Because it can be really hard, you know, and the whole influencer space is so massive now and you hear of people getting paid crazy amounts of money. And it's like, how do you say, like, this is worth, is it based off your followers? Is it based off your brand? Like, you know, that must be a really difficult process to work that out. It's so tricky. And I think the more complicated thing for me is, you know, I was already an MTV presenter and a DJ before I was an influencer. Yeah which means that I already had a network and access to working with brands before I had the follow account that would give me permission to do so. So I think I maybe have 5,000 followers or something at the time, maybe 10. And so my whole career has been like this, has been at odds with people being like, but how come you get to get paid so much because you don't have that many followers? I'm like, babes, hold on. (laughs) Check the CV for a second. Hold on. Not all of us are award-winning influencers, okay? (laughs) Not all of us are. (laughs) So it gets really tricky because there's a sense of education that comes with with every kind of negotiation and also intrinsic value as well. Like, you know, having to talk to, let's say I'm doing a, um, a foundation campaign or whatever, right? And someone might say, oh, well, they're just using your likeness. And it's like, okay, but can you tell who I am by my likeness? Okay, cool. That's a feat, right? Mm. And then it's like, what are the perceptions of an Australian makeup brand using my face and my skin colour to project to their audience that they are what? Inclusive, that they have an extended size range. I'm like, that is, there's a price on that as well. That doesn't come for free. And also, if I work with you, even if you've not asked for any exclusivity, you've not said verbatim, you can't work with any other brands that make foundation, what kind of brand is going to work with me just after I've worked for you? That's another fee, babe. I'm so sorry, you know? And then it's like, okay, great. Well, we want to use the images. How? Like, do you want to put it on your social? Do you want to put money behind that? Like, do you want to put it on a billboard? We're not sure. Okay, cool. So here's the fee for all of those things. Because I think what happens with a lot of influencers, content creators, celebrities, public figures, you get to a point in your career where everybody leverages off your likeness but you. Yeah. So, like, you'll put in work and you'll do the campaign shoots, you'll do the ads, and then you will ostracise yourself from other income opportunities and not know because you assume that what you're getting paid for what you're getting paid is with that in mind. Yeah. Often not. That was a really interesting perspective money chat. I really liked it. The first half, you'll have to wait until next week for part two 
In the meantime, we have content for you still coming on our social media channels. Check us out on Instagram at YIGC Podcast. And if you enjoyed that episode, please send it to a friend and get them involved too. And we will start a thread in our Facebook community, YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. All things money chat. We kind of want to hear everyone's money story first. First memory of money is a hard one Mm. in down, so I'd love to hear people's. We'll catch you next week. Bye. You're in Good Company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of You're in Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.